Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Here on the bird calls, our Pels have shrugged off that consistently inconsistent name tag with seven wins and nine tries, prompting one of the biggest matchups of the season with their Southwest Southwest Division foe and potential rival, the 34 and 12 Houston Rockets on Friday night. We are talking about it now with Ben DeBose of Locked On Rockets. Uh, what's going on, Ben? Oh, not too much. Uh, Rockets fans are pretty pleased as well coming off a win in Dallas. It's one of those games no one thinks the Dallas Mavericks are anything to write home about. But any- I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. time a Houston team beats a Dallas team, the, uh, the Houston fan base gets pretty energized, so it's a fun morning here. Yeah, that's a nice in-state rivalry. And speaking of rivalries, by the way, you guys can follow him at Locked on Rockets and at Ben DeBose. Speaking of rivalries, I'm sure that you would probably hardly call it a rivalry, but with a team that's now carrying former Hornets and Pelicans and Chris Paul, Trevor Reza, Ryan Anderson, and Eric Gordon, is there any animosity towards the Pelicans in Houston? Or are the Pelicans just suffering from a case of one of those, it's not you, it's me sort of things? I wouldn't say that there's animosity between the former Pelicans. Like, that's the angle you would think of with Eric and with Ryan. There seems to be some chippiness I noticed in December. If you go back and watch the game in which the Rockets, uh, they did end up winning, but it took a great closing kick from James Harden to do it. The Pelicans led for large stretches of the game because the Rockets were kind of lethargic. Defensively, also the Pelicans shot out of their minds that game. Just a crazy shooting display. But there was some chippiness between the Rockets and DeMarcus Cousins, specifically with Cousins and Clint Capella in the middle. I don't think it's anything major. I think actually over the course of DeMarcus Cousins' time in the NBA, he's kind of shown to have a close relationship with James Harden. So bad blood might be too much. 
But I think both Capella and DeMarcus, you know, they're certainly two of the league's better centers and both very athletic, slightly different styles. Of course, Boogie more versatile, Clint a little more traditional in terms of his style. But there were times in that game where I would, I think, I believe both picked up a tech to where you could see Clint getting on DeMarcus a little bit and also DeMarcus getting on Clint. So I would say that's the angle to watch. Of course, I'm sure that happens a lot because we all know Boogie is an emotional player, and so that leads to a lot of kind of, you know, flared tempers from time to time. But that's the one thing I noticed this last game. If you want kind of a chippiness angle, I think it's less the former Pelicans, and it's more just kind of that young big man, that Cousins versus Capella rivalry. And Capella's having a great string of games. He's got 11 straight double-doubles, quietly having a very, very good season. Of course, there was rumored the Capella-DeAndre Jordan swap, which the Rockets uh, have rumored to shot down. Let's let's continue with this matchup because it is the most one of the most highly anticipated matchups in the Smoothie King Center in quite some time. And let's take this moment finally to introduce it's his long-awaited and celebrated return. We are so excited to welcome back Ali Cosell. How are you, my friend? It's good to hear your voice hey Preston how you doing first of all I don't think I'm worth that kind of introduction <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't gotten like missing completely but that's great to be missed and yeah it's good to be talking Pelicans basketball again for sure well we're glad to have you back let's take this angle from you because of course the Rockets might not be uh looking at the Pelicans the way that the Pelicans look at the Rockets it seems the Pelicans are always looking up and the Rockets always uh kind of feel something behind them but don't really pay it much mind but with that being said there there's a lot of resentment from the Pelicans to players like Ryan Anderson, who once he joined the Rockets, said he finally had an offense where the ball, you know, continued moving. Eric Gordon has continued remarks, and we saw, I think it was about four or five days ago, this thunderous dunk, something that we never saw in a Pelicans uniform. Ali, talk about the relationship between the Pelicans and the Rockets from the Pelicans fan base side. Uh, we're going to start off testy today. Yeah, <laughs> listen, it's, uh, it's not a good one simply because of how these players, first of all, performed, had some injury issues, and then just the way they unceremoniously left. Um, and then when they did sign with their new team, which obviously the Houston Rockets, uh, they had some comments that brought in a doubt about our organization, uh, to the fan base, to everybody in general. They just said it's better here in Houston. And, of course, with Eric Gordon, we had heard where his heart was years ago in Phoenix. So it just obviously riled up a lot of fans, and rightfully so, um, because when they were here, the Pelicans were not winners. Everybody had these expectations that were never met outside of that one lone playoff, very short uh, postseason. Uh, other than that, no, it, it was all bad. So everybody, of course, always roots for, against a player that leaves their team. So it, Pelicans aren't like really any any different than from anybody else. But there's added incentive against Eric Gordon, who was brought in to be the face of the franchise, absolutely flopped in that role. And then same thing, like I said, with Ryan Anderson. He got injured, he left, and, you know, a couple of words were exchanged, and, and Pelicans fans just don't appreciate that type of stuff. Well, as they say, there is no love lost between the Pelicans fan base and their two former stars, Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon. I, I wish these guys the best. I don't, I don't mean to... I don't know, speak ill of them, just yes. just of their time in Pelicans. I think both parties are happier in their new towns. Let's continue with you, Ben. The Rockets are 34-12, and 24-5 with Chris Paul in the lineup. Many are frustrated he was not included in the All-Star game. I, I, I'd say in the place of Clay Thompson or Damian Lillard, every uh, national media type is, is furious whenever you say somebody is snubbed. They say, well, why don't you put your finger on who wouldn't be in the game? I guess you would say Clay Thompson or Damian Lillard would be the, the, the popular choices. He's averaged 
average 19, 9, and 6 in just 32 minutes on 46% from the field, 39% uh, from three. He posted on Instagram a caption of himself smiling with the tag, you know, when, when people say there's not enough ball to go around. Talk about the Chris Paul experience in Houston so far, Ben. Yeah, it's it really, really well. You mentioned the stats, the winning, the, the ball in games that uh, Chris Paul, James Harden, and Clint Capella all all play. So, yeah, we're almost at 20 games, and, and if Houston has a big three, that would be your three most important, and they still have not lost a single time. So it's fit really well, and it goes into what I've said the entire offseason. You had a lot of folks wondering about Chris Paul and James Harden. Would they, you know, are there enough basketballs to go around? And the bottom line is, if the players get along, if they want to make it work, they will. And just because two, two guys are point guards in nature, it's really not all that different from Steph Curry and Kevin Durant in Golden State or LeBron James and Dwayne Wade when they were in Miami and both near the peak of their powers. If the players have a good relationship and get along, they'll find a way to, to make it work. And we actually saw that earlier this week. They had a close game against Miami, one of the only close games they've had lately in this run where they've won four in a row and nine of 12 ever since, uh, especially getting James Harden back. And when James Harden deferred in the last minute of the game, he let Chris Paul get the separation, and Paul ended up hitting a mid-range shot to essentially put the game away over Miami. And so they've they've done a great job of playing off one another. But I think it goes back to the offseason. If you actually paid attention, this was not a situation like, you know, I'll I'll make a parallel to Oklahoma City where – it hasn't always been pretty, the integration of Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, and a big reason for that is that those guys did not openly choose to go there. Now, ultimately, each signed off, but it was one of those things. Ultimately, they went to Oklahoma City because it just so happened after their original team went through a long period of soliciting trade offers, those were just the best deals that were available, and everybody just tried to make it work. With Chris Paul and the Rockets, he chose to go there. And so because of that, because of that choice, I think that should have shown folks all along that his head was in the right place. And even if he had to give up a few touches here and there, ultimately I think both he and James get that it's for the greater good because if you want to compete with the Warriors, you need all the playmakers that you can get. Now as far as the All-Star game, yeah, I agree. The national media is correct, you should say, because there's so few spots who they're going to replace. And I could see compelling reasons to put Chris in there ahead of, both uh, Damian Lillard and Clay Thompson. For me personally, I say he should be in there over Clay, just because the argument for Clay is not so much anything he does individually, it's his contributions to a winner in Golden State, the overall just the Warriors effect, whatever you want to phrase it as. And in my opinion, when you look at the standings, the Rockets are only two games back in the lost column of the Warriors, and they've own the head-to-head matchup. They now have that tiebreaker having won two of the three. To me, the Rockets and Warriors are close enough, only two games of separation, to where the Warriors getting four All-Stars and the Rockets getting just one feels a bit disproportionate. So to me, if Chris Paul gets that slot instead of Clay Thompson, then to me that feels like maybe a better representation of each player's effect on the overall winning of those two teams, as well as where the Rockets and Warriors are, in a battle that's actually a lot closer than people thought it would be going into this season. Yeah, the Rockets have already uh, gotten the series over the Golden State Warriors, and we're going to get to some quotes. Capella saying that they're the better team. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, Just to continue on with this Chris Paul all-star snub, uh, Mike D'Antoni said, I was amazed that people that should be watching games don't watch the games and see how important a guy he is. James Harden said, 
second best overall record, number two in the best conference, uh, 19 points, nine assists. I mean, what are we rewarding? What are we rewarding? It's no question. You see what it's been doing the last couple of games. I don't know what we're rewarding. With these big three in Houston, uh, like you said, they're 17-0, and the big three I'm speaking of is CP3, Harden, and Capella. But, Ali, the Pelicans have their own big three right now. With Drew Holiday, DeMarcus Cousins, and Anthony Davis on the floor, they're they're hosting the best positive net rating of any three players. And uh, there's their own all-star storyline in New Orleans. When DeMarcus Cousins was announced as a starter, it, it turned a lot of heads. Justin Barrier of The Ringer and our friend even said something along the lines of, not only does DeMarcus Cousins not necessarily belong in the starting lineup, you could make the argument that he doesn't belong in the game at all. And this comment was made two weeks ago. And at the time, a lot of people in New Orleans were nodding their heads in, agree- in agreement. And I'm talking about what Ben was talking about earlier, the, the attitude, the griping, the technical fouls. But all of a sudden, that stuff has dissipated. Three days ago, he had one of the best stat lines in about 36 years, 44, 24, 10, and four steals, I want to say. He, he hasn't been griping. He's been getting back on defense. He's been giving Pelicans fans the effort that we've been clamoring for. Talk about the Pelicans' own big three and specifically about DeMarcus Cousins. Sure. And that's that's very apropos to that nice lead in from the All-Star uh, questions with Houston to DeMarcus Cousins and his sudden turnaround with the fans because it is very evident. Um, Preston, as you know, following this team, we were all excited about the start of the season and DeMarcus Cousins started off very strongly. Uh, he was even considered in some very, very early uh, MVP type of discussions. But as the season progressed, we saw that his effort level started to wane. The Pelicans were not winning as they were supposed to. So obviously fingers were getting pointed. DeMarcus caught a lot of that flack. Um, he, he always stands front and center in, with a new, this New Orleans lineup. Anthony Davis is a quiet guy. Same thing with Drew Holiday. So DeMarcus is, is, you know, he's just destined to be at the forefront. And then when he's picking up those technical fouls, making those crucial turnovers where, you know, he, he has those games where he averages at least five or more turnovers. So he, he's an easy guy to blame. but I think people often pressing, and I've always been a big boogie supporter, and I, I think that you've got to take the good with the bad. So I just think that I'm happy, first of all, that he has moved on um, from kind of this talk of is he even, you know, is he even deserving of an all-star bid? Because he is. I mean, these numbers that he's putting up, the Pelicans will not have won nearly as many games. I, they, we saw what Anthony Davis has done the last couple of years without a sidekick, and it's not been good. And DeMarcus Cousins shows up, and you've got to give him credit. He's one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest reason, the Pelicans are, you know, in sixth place, looking really good and coming up uh, even further in the standings. So DeMarcus has definitely, you know, rubbed a lot of, you know, people the wrong way with his attitude, with, with even his effort at times. But that's what you've got to take from a player who spent so many years on a losing, uh, in a losing situation. Sacramento Kings has to be considered the worst franchise overall over the last 10 years. And so when you've got a guy with as strong of a personality as DeMarcus, who loves to win and is always losing, it was inevitable that he was going to come with some baggage. And uh, I think we should start talking about more of how that is improving. As you just mentioned, the effort level is improving. This guy really, truly does want to win. And his teammates love him. The whole locker room loves him whenever I've been there, post and pre-games. It's just amazing. So I think that's enough about DeMarcus. Uh, the other big three, yeah, Anthony Davis is a given. I mean, no matter what he does, no matter what the team is doing, he's going to be considered a top five, top ten player in the league simply because there's not another one like him. 
He can, as we know, he can shoot all the way out to the three-point line. He can drive by pretty much any defender that's on him. He's he's a menace inside the paint. And uh, defensively, without wingspan athleticism, wow, good luck getting around him. And then, but the biggest interesting thing that we do need to discuss is Drew Holiday. He has bounced back in the biggest way possible. Uh, people were writing him off, Preston. You remember this, just like I do. Towards the end of last season, he's kicking balls off the side of his feet. Nobody was thinking he's deserving of any kind of, uh, even anything sniffing a maximum contract. And of course he gets it. And of course the uh, criticism ensued. And you know what? He got off to the worst start possible. 10 games in, everybody's already calling Dell Demp's biggest bust. Um, this is going to be forever an anchor on the franchise for the length of his contract. And he makes that remarkable turnaround. Last couple of months, he's averaging over 20 points a game. He has single-handedly won a bunch of those games and uh, is, is just as big of a reason almost as why the Pelicans are five games over 500 as Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. So, yeah, the Pelicans have a legitimate big three, and they all deserve a lot of accolade. Ben, as you can tell, yeah, and let me, let, sorry, let me, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll add on to, I think that Anthony Davis, when you actually compare uh, this matchup, I think how the Rockets defend him is going to be especially important here because when you're looking at who the Rockets have up front, you know they're going to cover Boogie with Capella, Nene, Tarek Black, whatever your traditional more physical bigs are. Capella, obviously the best of the bunch. You just have to hope he can stay out of foul trouble from the Rockets' perspective. Davis is going to be interesting because Ryan Anderson starts at the fourth spot, but you guys know as well as anyone, Ryan Anderson had defensive limitations. So then you look at your guys off the bench, Luke Mute, P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker, hard-nosed, physical, but he's a little short for the ridiculous athleticism, wingspan of A.D. This feels like a game where Bob Mute is going to be very, very useful because they don't have that many bodies. Potentially Ariza some as well. In some of the Rockets-Pelicans matchups the last two years, we have seen uh, Ariza slide up and use his overall length. He's stronger than you would think he is for a wing as well. But I would say it's probably going to be a game that the Rockets have to play small a lot with Bob Mute and also Ariza spending a lot of time on AD. I'm a little wary of Tucker given his lack of length. And with Ryan Anderson, you guys know certainly the effort will be there. But just in terms of the lack of athleticism, the execution, I don't think you want Ryan Anderson on AD for long stretches of the game. So that to me is going to be the thing to watch. How do the Rockets uh, match up with AD? Because Certainly the backcourt, the Rockets have defensive difference makers there that you can put on holiday. We know what they're going to do in the middle. The question is how they're going to defend Anthony Davis at that four spot when it comes to this game tomorrow night. Yeah, AD's been relatively quiet the past week or so, had eight points against the Hawks uh, following his three very explosive games. DeMarcus Cousins and Drew Holiday have kind of been the leaders recently. And Ben, something the Pelicans have been struggling with mightily has been coming out of the gate in the third quarter. Obviously, the Rockets are the second best team offensively in the NBA right now, but the Pelicans are right behind them at fourth. And a lot of that scoring comes in the first half. They're very slow in the second half just coming out uh, with one for 11 shooting against the Hawks their first 11 shots just just slow offensively in the third quarter and we've been having trouble pinpointing it but like you said the Rockets are pretty deep with Nene, P.J. Tucker, Trevor Rizzo, Luke Mute, Gerald Green, Tarek Block. The Pelicans have been having a lot of difficulty with their bench with guys like Jameer Nelson, Dante Cunningham and Ian Clark not really playing relatively well and they don't have a, a manageable four or five to spell DeMarcus Cousins or Anthony Davis so getting those two into foul trouble is critical for the Rockets. Uh, let's talk a bit about more about your team and your aspirations. Obviously, you can tell how excited Ali and I are about our Pelicans team being a sixth seed right now, but you guys have higher aspirations. 
James Harden obviously having an MVP caliber season, 31.29 and five with two steals on 45 and 40% shooting. He had a quote. He said, we are for real, for real. We are for real as it can get. I have never been this confident playing in my entire career, not only by adding CP3, but for the rest of our team. We have a team with depth that at any moment can impact the game. We just got to stay locked in the rest of the season. These Rockets must feel like when the three guys are on the court, they can beat anybody. How confident are you guys facing the Pelicans right now? Um, Reasonably confident. It's, it, like I said, the Pelicans are a tough matchup for the because the Rockets are. I, I don't know if tough is the right word. It's more of a contrast in styles because the Rockets, of course, it all starts with the backcourt, James Harden and Chris Paul. The Pelicans are built the other way when it comes to Boogie and Anthony Davis, your two top difference makers. So it's a contrast in styles. Uh, that's one of those that often sees upsets. So I won't say that it would floor me if the Rockets lost that game tomorrow night. But in terms of general confidence, oh yeah, they are. They are feeling really good about themselves. Right now, I said it on my Locked on Rockets show last night, it feels like the team that won 14 in a row in 20 of 21. That was the stretch the Rockets were on the last time these two teams played in Houston. And by the way, to the Pelicans' credit, they almost won that game. So, it, Yeah, it, without Anthony Davis, I just wanted to mention that. I know we were hot shooting, as you mentioned, Ben, but I think that Anthony yeah. Davis not being there made made a big difference. And as we, as we, you know, First of all, I just wanted to ask you, Clint Capella, he had a bunch of easy dunks around DeMarcus Cousins over him. Do you foresee that still continuing with Anthony Davis now? You know, he's likely to play on Friday. Certainly it'll be harder. Uh, I don't think you'll have the, the quite the same success rim running. I think you're going to have a higher burden on James Harden and Chris Paul. But the injury situation for, for the Rockets from that game was not ideal as well. That was when James Harden almost did not play. He had a really bad, uh, what was it? It was a knee bruise that uh, one of the Blazers, I believe, C.J. McCollum, got in in the final minute of the game right before that. So Harden was a little bit limited in terms of his explosiveness that game as well. But I think that's going to be the key is Harden and Chris Paul are going to have even uh, a higher burden on their shoulders with Anthony Davis because you're not going to get just the easy runs that I think you got from time to time with Capella that game. You're going to need your guards to be really, really good to open up that lane a little bit. And, yeah, just to get back to the confidence standpoint, yeah, they're feeling well. They've had a number of statement wins lately, including both Minnesota and Golden State last week. And I'm sure you guys heard the quote from Capella that seemed to go around the NBA saying, we're better, referring to the Warriors. And personally, I don't have a problem with that, I, as a journalist, you want guys to be honest. You guys know that all of these players are supremely confident. Personally, I like guys that are more open because you know a lot of guys around the league are very prideful. They believe in themselves. It takes a high degree of confidence to get to their level of play. So I like that Clint's being honest with us. I don't buy the notion that, well, they're poking the bear or something like that with those statements because that implies that the Warriors would somehow not be giving 100% in the playoffs otherwise, which would just be ludicrous. There's no more regular season meetings. So, no, I don't think the Rockets get Clint Capella, Eric Gordon, saying that kind of stuff is going to have negative repercussions because if and when the Rockets and Warriors meet again, it's going to be in the playoffs and the Warriors are going to be 100% dialed in no matter what is said or isn't said. But I think, you know, aside from that angle, I think Clint is justified in saying that because the Rockets, they beat them two out of three times. And what's most impressive of all, they've been able to put the clamps down defensively. That's what's different about this Rockets team compared to past ones that I think people around the NBA and certainly Pelicans fans being in the same division are used to, are used to seeing. 
because, of course, you have a difference makers offensively. But when the Rockets want to, they can really, really D up well at all. Well, uh, since the return of Luke Bamute and James Harden, they've won their last four games. The most impressive in the past four games, three of the four, they've held opponents below 100 points, which is, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you play at the pace that the Rockets do under Mike D'Antoni, it is. And the one game that a team broke 100 was the freaking Warriors, who scored 108, and they only had two points in the last four minutes of the game. So the Rockets, now that they've got their pieces back, because they went through periods of the past month without Chris Paul, without Clint Capella, of course without James Harden, Nene, Luke Bamute also missed some time. But when they fully have their supporting cast, which they do now, they can be a really, really good defensive team. And so that's why they're confident. It's not like they're just going out and scoring a lot and making all these threes in Mike D'Antoni's system the way they did a year ago. They are doing that, but now you're combining that with a defense that can be really good as well. And so that's that's what I think makes them so confident is that it's not like you're just going to run into a game in which, well, the threes aren't falling, so they're in trouble. That's something that would have happened a year ago. Right now, the defense is good enough to where even if you hit a stretch in the game where the threes aren't falling, they feel like they still have other ways to win now as well. So I think that's where that confidence comes from. Ali, the Rockets are second in offensive rating, 11th in defense, as Ben was just mentioning. They've won six straight, and they do it with shooting. They're first in the league in attempted three-point shooting, and the Pelicans are third to last in allowing three-point shooting. The Rockets were 21 of 51 from deep against the Mavericks last night, and the Pelicans are second in scoring in the paint. Talk about this battle, three-point shooting versus paint scoring, Pelicans versus Rockets. In the past, it hasn't ended well, Preston. Uh, ever since we've had Anthony Davis, the Rockets have seemingly owned the Pelicans, and I think they've won just twice in the last 11 meetings. The only success we've really had with Anthony Davis is during that 14-15 season, the lone playoff season of AD. So, yeah, the three-point shot seems to so far have proven the winner over just going big, going down low and battling. But um, I'm looking at several things for this game, and, and I, I want to get Ben's take on this after I finish. Um, I just want to touch on James Harden. I'm not sure he's 100% healthy. Um, Looking at his stats, I know it's only four games, but he has only gotten to the line 2.8 times. And in the past, the Pelicans' backbreaker has not always been the three-point shot. In the games they've been blown out, sure, the Rockets made a ton of them at will. But in the closer games, it it seemingly was James Harden being the ultimate deciding factor and his ability to get to the free-throw line. So if he's not fully healthy and he can't get to the line like he was before his injury, um, I think that really improves the Pelicans' odds. So I'd like to hear Ben's opinion on that. But to finish off on this, Preston, yeah, the Pelicans are simply going to have to do it big. They're going to have to live up to that moniker. They're going to have to go down in that paint and just pound away because, let's face it, what we saw in their first meeting back in uh, was the middle of December where they relied on and made a ton of shots, especially the three-point bombs from Drew Holiday, each one more and a couple of others, it's not likely to repeat. Uh, There's no way we can count on the team to make 50% of their outside shots. So they're going to have to go with their other strength, and that, of course, is AD and Boogie. And they can't live outside of the line. They've got to punish the smaller defenders, as Ben was alluding to. There's going to be some serious matchup problems for the Rockets. Who's Ryan Anderson going to guard? And then when they do go smaller, um, can Luke Mabute and uh, Tucker stay with AD? In the past, they used to have some reasonable success against uh, AD, the smaller guys, that is, simply because he didn't have his post game. He wasn't seemingly as aggressive. But this year, we're seeing a different AD. He's, 
he's the guy operating in the paint as to where Boogie's controlling all the action outside the perimeter. So the bigs, they're just going to have to play bigger, and um, they're going to obviously press it. I don't know how in the world you're going to game plan against the Houston Rockets ability to shoot a three-point ball because the Pelicans have done a very poor job of guarding it against everybody else in the league. So you're going to have to hope for some misses, I think. But overall, the Pelicans are going to have to do it big. And I'm curious about this James Harden thing, as I brought up, Ben. Can you add some insight to that as to why James has only yeah. done less than you know, three yeah. times a yeah. game? And- I think the difference is that, you know, and I understand where you're coming from, but when you're not watching the Rockets on a day-in, day-out basis, sometimes you miss the progression in terms of game to game. Because when you look at the four games as a whole, that's a fair representation, but there has been progress from one game to the next. And you look at the four, Minnesota, Golden State, Miami, Dallas. First off, they played some very good defensive teams. In there, there's also been some games. Rockets fans would contend that James Harden did get fouled, and especially the Monday game against Miami, they just it was very rough and tumble. Neither team got a lot of free throws; they just let a ton of contact go. But bigger picture, the context, of course, James Harden had a grade two hamstring strain. That's an injury that typically for NBA guys is a four to six weeker. He ended up coming back in two and a half weeks, and by game two, he was playing 35 minutes per game. So it's a pretty incredible recovery for him just to be out there, period. Now, even so, his conditioning is not there, not quite as explosive, but there has been growth from game to game is the important thing. And if you look at the Dallas game last night, he had 25 points, 13 assists, 9 of 16 shooting, which is above 50%. Now, of the 16 shots, 10 were threes. He made six of them, and it's one of those games. The Rockets aren't stupid. If they're able to win without taking a ton of contact, if they're able to win by essentially not risking anything and just getting the threes to go in and Dallas just did not have the firepower, then sure, they'll take that gladly. But the key is that you are seeing James progressively play more minutes, and also he's getting that lift back. If you look back towards the beginning, his shot in the the opening game he came back last Thursday against Minnesota was 3 of 15. Last night, he was 9 of 16. So within those four games, if you look at it and just compile the box score stats, yes, he's shooting fewer free throws. But you can see that he is getting better from game to game. You're seeing the, the minutes build up, the stamina. There's not been any re-aggravation issues that, that we can see. Now, yes, eventually the free throw attempts do need to come. But I would just throw a couple of asterisks on the last two games. I would say this week he has looked a lot better. It's just Monday was one of those games, for whatever reason, Rockets heat. No one shot a lot of free throws. And then last night in Dallas, Rockets, the, the story, they made 21 threes as a team, 21 of 51. The Mavs did not have nearly enough firepower, and there's just no reason to play that game, that typical Harden style in which he kind of, you know, he throws his body into harm's way to, to draw the contact. And there's no reason to do that if you're up comfortably by 15 or 20 points the entire game. So you're right. It's something that against the New Orleans team that's pretty good for the Rockets to win this game on the road, he's probably going to need more free throws. The, the Pelicans just have too much talent, especially up front, to expect it unless the Rockets just have a phenomenal shooting game to win just by the threes. However, if you actually watch these past two games, I do think there's been some progress, even though it's not in the box score. He is moving better. And like I said, last night, 25 and 13 and over 50% from the field. It feels like the old James Harden is back in terms of just his overall freedom of movement, how well he's getting around the court. And now it's just a matter of, as you said, he's got to actually start drawing those fouls again and get back to the line. But at this point, I'm pretty confident that it will. 
Let me ask Ben one more question, then we're going to have Ollie wrap up with his prediction for possibly uh, at least the biggest game of the season for the New Orleans Pelicans. This one's going to be highly anticipated. I believe it's nationally televised. Ben, first question. Uh, the Pelicans have had struggle with these uh, high-energy bigs who go for second-chance opportunities, and somebody who's given them trouble in the past is Nene Hilario, who was not a part of the Dallas Mavericks uh, matchup. It was a, a did-not-play coach's decision, according to the box score. Also, in addition to that, the Clippers have beaten the Rockets in both matchups this year. Uh, obviously, injuries play a, a part in that. But what do the Clippers do so well that helps them beat the Rockets? Well, I think more than that, it's a, the, the Clippers have cost them at a very fortuitous time. The, 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 first, the, the most recent loss was without James Harden. The first loss was without Chris Paul, and it was in the middle of their five-game losing streak. So I don't know if there's anything so much about the matchup as it is, you know, sometimes you just draw teams at uh, better or worse times in the year. Nene last night, I think they probably, it's a DMP CD, but it's a maintenance game. He's 35 years old. He's not going to play 82 games. They give him periodic days off. And my guess is that the Rockets gave him that game off against Dallas, knowing that they would need him a lot more against that big bruising front line that, uh, th that you guys in New Orleans are able to throw out there. As far as the Clippers, the one thing that they do they really, really spread you out. In the games the Clippers have beaten the, the Rockets, Lou Williams just shot out of his mind. It feels, I would say Lou Williams' revenge game, but it's almost been like a Lou Williams' revenge season and how ridiculously efficient he's been. He had a game earlier this month where he shot, uh, scored over 50 points in a win at Golden State. So he's just a really good player, period. But they're able to play small, certainly Blake at the four spot. If there's some comparisons for the Pelicans, I would say Blake's athleticism, uh, a little bit reminiscent of AD in terms of the type of presence at the four spot, can make a few things happen off the dribble. And in general, they've made their shots. It's that simple. I don't think there's anything particularly to the matchup other than uh, just, like I said, fortuitous timing in the schedule and then playmakers and, and shooters. And the Rockets, they have not been at their best defensively in those two games against the Clippers. And for the Rockets, like I said, it comes down to the defense. We know how great they are offensively. They were that last season as well. The question is, can they take that defense to an elite level? They were actually top five in early December before the wave of injuries hit. Over the past week, they've been top five again, as you said, in the year. I believe they're 11th. That reflects that lag they had in December and January. And, yeah, the Pelicans are going to be a tough because it's a different type of team than they're used to. I, I guess you could see a few similarities to the Clipper matchup. But to me, it, it, it's all about the Rockets defensively how good are they they weren't in those clippers games they think they're better now uh certainly the pelicans will test them tomorrow night great stuff you guys ollie let's wrap it up what do you see happening tomorrow like i said it's going to be an exciting one the smoothie uh king center crowd I, I don't know how capable they are of blowing the roof off of that building it's it's usually a, a pretty uh tepid quiet <laughs> place what what do you anticipate the energy being there tomorrow night and what do you anticipate will happen energy is going to be outstanding the pelicans have come out here in 2018 on fire. Uh, easily their best stretch of the season. They're 8-3 and three so far in January. And you got to look for that to continue. Plus, the fans are going to be all over this. The Saints season is done and over. Suddenly, the Pelicans are on fire. And this is typically the time of year anyways that fans really start coming out to support the team after, of course, the Saints season finishes up. So that shouldn't be an issue. Um, granted, I was a little more optimistic about my prediction before Ben told me that don't worry about James Harden. He's still the same old James Harden. Uh, that cold shower kind of hurt. But anyways, I do expect the Pelicans possibly to still squeak this one out. Uh, they are due for a good shooting game, first of all. 
And of course, they've got all their players. But what I'm looking at is they've been really bad pressing from three point range during this month. Yet look at this. They're eight and three. So I know that they were probably a little bit above um, what their, you know, typical whatever is uh, their standard line uh, from three point range and makes and conversion rates and all that stuff before this month. But you know what? They've now suddenly dipped all the way down to where they're near the bottom. And I don't think that's the case either. So you've got to hope for it. And I'm thinking perhaps the uh, the excitement, the um, you name it, the, the, this rivalry that is kind of there exists one. It's not that strong yet, but the Pelicans fans and the players themselves do not like playing the Houston Rockets. Um, so I'm hoping that this game brings out the best of them. Uh, again, we've got Anthony Davis back. He wasn't there for the first matchup. And, um, you know, I know that Ben talked about Houston's defense of late, but, you know, every time the Pelicans go up against a good defensive squad, nobody seems to have an answer for our big bruisers when they put it together, when they stick to the game plan um, or doing all, you know, making the right decisions. So I'm going to say the Pelicans, they're going to finally win one. They're going to edge one out. We're going to be optimistic. Let's say the score is going to be about 118 to 112, uh, where the shooting comes through and Rockets kind of suffer from an off night. Ben, we're really feeling ourselves right now on this podcast. Uh, do, do you feel a little more nervous uh, hearing Ali talk about how excited the Pelicans have been and the fan base has been coming into the Smoothie King Center? How do you feel it unfolds tomorrow night? I'll, I'll essentially have the opposite of, of Ali. I think it's a close game. I'll give the Rockets a nod just because of their experience in these games. They've been so good in crunch time execution, including against the Pelicans last month, although that was without AD, as Ali mentioned earlier I wouldn't say I'm more nervous just because I respect them a lot already to me when you look at a team that's good enough to have two all-star starters in AD and Boogie and now as you said the revival of Drew Holiday it's a team that all year long has screamed you know for whatever reason the result is less than the sum of the parts but usually those two teams those types of teams excuse me over the course of 82 games it has a way of sorting itself out and over the past week or so you know I believe what they were on a four-game winning streak have seven and three in the last 10, it feels like that, that, you know, the, the record is starting to become now you've got five games separation between yourselves and 500. Of course, it's a huge game. That's one of the things the Rockets had had to get used to this year. You know, the Rockets with Chris Paul, in addition to James Harden, they're, they're the hunted and now with being a weekend primetime game, national TV, of course, it's going to be a crazy atmosphere. So that's something the Rockets have to get used to. But I wouldn't say that I'm any more nervous because I respect him a lot already. You can see the, the, the talent is there. It's just been a matter of I got the, the sample size, the chemistry. I don't know exactly what the issue was earlier, but the Pelicans certainly seem to be playing better ball now. And I think they're, they're a formidable team that uh, I, I'll say this. I don't think that they are going to beat either the Rockets or the Warriors four times out of seven. But if it somehow happens that the Pelicans are in the seven or eight spot in the playoffs instead of the six or higher, I hope they're playing Golden State and not Houston because they're the kind of team, again, I'd be surprised if they took four out of seven, certainly. But I think with that talent level, especially up front, they can make you expend a lot of energy to beat them. And I'd rather them not be the, uh, the Rockets' first-round opponent. Let's put it that way. Great stuff, Ben. Uh, thank you so much. This is Ben DeBose of Locked On Rockets. You can find him at Ben DeBose. Of course, thank you to our editor at Ali Cosells, where you can find him. Uh, so good to have you back, sir. Uh, before we get over to Ali, Ben, uh, do you have anything to plug? And are you going to be live tweeting during the game tomorrow night? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at Ben DuBose is the easiest place to find me, as you said. And yeah, we 
We live tweet every game. My, my plug, by the way, you mentioned our Twitter handle. Also, Locked on Rockets is the show. Feel free to subscribe to that or go to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Locked on Rockets. Those are the best ways to stay in touch with what we're doing covering the Rockets on a regular basis. And besides that, uh, for any fans in the Houston area, I don't know how much I recommend it for Pelicans fans, but we actually have a uh, Locked on Rockets listener party tomorrow night for Rockets Pelicans out at uh, Nick's place. It's a sports bar out in West Houston. That's nice enough to hold some tables for us. So, yeah, we're going to have some excitement on this. And uh, I don't know if it'll be quite as loud as the Smoothie Center, only because I don't think we can fit uh, 15,000-plus people into a bar. But uh, <laughs> at least, yeah, but at least it'll be pretty fun. I think people in Houston are, are, are pretty excited for this game as well, because as we said, New Orleans is a team that certainly everybody respects the talent, even if the results haven't always been there. And now that the results are starting to get there, it's going to be a fun game. I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, if you want to hear from me, Twitter's the best place to do it, but also subscribe to the show, Facebook, LockedOnRockets.com. Lots of places where you can find us. And uh, Preston, Ollie, thanks, thanks as always for, uh, for doing this. I feel like it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, fantastic job. We'll have to keep doing this. We've got a couple of matchups left in the year. Before I let you go, Ollie, uh, he's got some great stuff on thebirdrights.com right now. He's been killing, I think, three articles in two days. Ollie, uh, first of all, welcome back again. So good to have you back. Anything you'd like to say to our listeners on behalf of yourself and the website? I think it's just a time that we've got to uh, celebrate the fact that, you know, we're having conversations like this with Ben and we're talking about the playoffs. We're talking about possible seedings. And that is just awesome. That's wonderful. Um, it's been much too long and we're finally, finally living the dream, so to speak. I don't care. That's a six seed that we're maybe going to be the one and out, but you know, the, the fact that the organization is finally trending upwards, something they were supposed to do continuing, uh, in 2014, 15, it's great to be on track. So I just want to focus on that. We've been focusing too much on either boogie when he was off his game. Now it's Rajon Rondo, but we, we need to start celebrating a little bit more of the positives among the fan base. Good to have you back, sir. This is the Bird Call. Stay tuned for our Hornets recap with Kevin this afternoon, followed by a very special trade of Palooza with experts from Cleveland, Dallas, and Orlando. Might ask Ben to do that in the future. For now, I'm Preston Ellis. Let's go, pals. You have been listening to The Bird Calls. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, do us one more favor. Go to iTunes, subscribe, and rate our podcast today. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm feeling great, thanks. How about you? You feeling happy? A little angry? People have so many feelings, millions of them. But what if businesses could really understand all of those feelings and then act on them to make their customers feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management, and it's here. Because the future of business has feelings, and I've got a feeling we're all going to like it. Go to sap.com xm to learn more. Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro. And then, one day... When he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12 handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to Geico and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good, and so was hanging out with his grandson.